and that's what I think's so great about craft beer. Um, you know, is there's there's always a beer out there for everybody at just about every brewery. Um, you know, and I, I know you know we make several different varieties for that reason. Um, you know, and we and we've expanded our portfolio to try and hit all those different palettes. Uh, but every time I go somewhere, you know, my favorite thing to do in a new town, you know, find a local, what brewery do I want to go hit? You know, it used to be a bar to try and do it, but now like, I know, you know, I know I'm after the good craft beer of that area. This is Craft Beers and Cheap Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. I am Scott Schweitzer, and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. My friends and I like to hang out and relax over craft beers and really, really good food. We want to take you on a journey as we discover these new and exciting places. Come along for the ride. If you enjoy these podcasts, please hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a really good rating. Thank you for joining us. Now off to this week's episode. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Craft Beers and Cheap Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Today we have a special uh, guest with us. If you remember back in episode three, we did uh, a little mini bacon report. Well, today live from Alabama, I have Jeff Bacon. What's going on, buddy? What's happening, buddy? How are you? I am great. Uh, I'm glad the technology is working a little better today so we can actually uh, speak to each other instead of me just kind of reciting what you wrote. Um, so tell tell some everybody, our audience out there, kind of your background and why you are such uh, a beer expert. Wow. Well, I don't know if expert quite applies, but I, I, I've been in the industry now for several years. So my background, um, I, ca- I came up through the bar and restaurant industry. Um, I was a pretty good server that became a pretty good bartender. Um, and then worked my way into management and then, uh, spent a total of nearly 20 years, uh, you know, from waiting tables, cooking, um, bartending, and then, uh, managing, I've done everything you can do in a restaurant outside of being the kitchen manager of, you know, GM, um, everything else. Um, but you know, a large percentage of that time, because of my bartending background, um, I was a beer buyer, um, and the liquor buyer, um, at several different places I worked, you know, from, um, you know, local kind of mom and pop restaurants to um, a high-end nightclub in downtown Mobile. And then, um, you know, the, the biggest chunk of my career was working at a, a very nice casual uh, fine dining restaurant called Felix's Fish Camp. Um, and then I was the GM of uh, their sister company a little bit further down on the water called the Bluegill, um, which um, after about five years of being there, um, ended up going to work for the local wholesaler here called Gulf Distributing. Um, and uh, was their on-premise manager. So it was great getting to use all those years of, you know, everything I had done um, in the on-premise side of the business to then, um, you know, get to help other accounts and sell them beer and and do something a little bit different. You know, the bar and restaurant industry um, will always be uh, near and dear to my heart, but uh, it's uh, definitely a young man's game, Um, you know, working Mm -hmm all those nights and weekends and, and, you know, most of the time until, you know, midnight or a little bit later, definitely uh, started taking its toll and wanted to do you know, a few more things with my life. So when the opportunity arose to uh, go work at golf with a buddy of mine that I went to college with, I uh, jumped at it. And then after about 
two years of working there, um, Sweetwater uh, was looking for a position or to fill a position here um, in lower Alabama and the Florida Panhandle. And the guy that hired me to work at Gulf told me I should apply for that job. And I was like, man, you know, I feel like I've kind of just figured out every, you know, all the ins and outs of what I'm doing now. And he's like, no, nah, you need to learn the supplier side of the business. So one day I can try and steal you back for more money. And I was like, huh, more money, different, you know, entity. Uh, so, you know, I applied for it. And for me, it was such a cool thing because, uh, you know, Alabama was one of those states where for so long we had to have like specially brewed, you know, Miller Lite, Coors Light, Bud Light, whatever. It had to be three point, it had to be less than 5%. So we had the 3.5% stuff. And, you know, craft beers for me, when I first turned 21, you know, our craft beers were like Amber Bach. And, uh, you know, I mean, there, there was, there wasn't really craft beer here. We had some Abita stuff out of Louisiana. We had like Turbo Dog, um, Abita Amber, things like that. Um, but we didn't have, you know, a bunch of craft beers. There were no local breweries anywhere around us. Um, and so in 2007, when the, the, there was an organization called Free the Hops put a, you know, really pushed the uh, Alabama legislature to open up that 5% rule. Um, and so when that opened up, um, it was phenomenal because there was just this rush of all these great beers. Um, and at that point in time, you know, I'd kind of, um, you know, gotten past just regular, you know, college age drinking stuff where you, you know, you're drinking more for quantity than quality. Um, and Sweetwater was one of the first ones that we found. Uh, I had a buddy go up to Atlanta, um, on a bachelor party trip, went to, um, Taco Mac and they were looking at that list. You know, there's like 300 beers between the drafts and the bottles and cans and what, and you know, everyone, everybody was just picking something different. And, um, you know, very close friend of mine was actually a roommate of mine for a little while, chose Sweetwater Blue. He's like, I've never tried it. Uh, let me just, you know, find it out. And everybody just loved it at the table. So he came back. This is when I was the bar manager at Felix's and he kept telling me, he's like, you got to get Sweetwater Blue. You got to get Sweetwater Blue. Um, and 420, um, is, you know, the, still the flagship, it's 52% of our total sales across all 25 states we're in. So that was the first one that launched when Sweetwater launched the mobile. And we were one of the, the test accounts back then, what we would do, or I should say they, because I wasn't with the, with the brewery then they would pick five accounts, um, in the city in partnership with that wholesaler, um, to be, you know, the test accounts to see how it would work. And Felix's was one of those five. And, you know, so we, big deal that we got it. People were super excited, but that buddy of mine, Isaac kept saying, I need you to get blue. I need you to get blue. So then, you know, being a good friend and, um, we had found some over in Florida, you know, I started putting pressure on the wholesaler and they were like, well, you're not authorized to get blue. I was like, but that's what I want. They're like, well, you can only have 420. I was like, okay, but I want blue. And so, you know, after about six months of pestering her every single week, uh, she walks in one day with this huge smile on her face. She's like, guess what? I got you a keg of Sweetwater Blue. I said, that's not going to be enough. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, we're that, you know, little backstory on that restaurant in the middle of this whole story. Um, you know, that, that restaurant goes on a wait on Monday afternoon at, you know, 1130. So those servers, you, you get their mind behind something, they'll sell anything. And I was like, I'm going to get the service staff behind it. And we're going to sell through that keg in less than a week. And she goes, if you sell through it less than a week, I'll get you more beer. So I said, okay. So we sold through that keg in two days. And I, I mean, I called her and said, I need more blue. She goes, um, I was joking. I was like, you got to figure out how to get me more blue now. Cause we sold it in two days. And, uh, so her boss came in and was like, I mean, I'm not supposed to do this, but I'll transfer some of it from Florida for you. And, uh, you know, we'll figure out a way, a way to make it work. So 
we kept blue and 420 on for a couple of weeks. Well, then Sweetwater figured out um, through looking at sales reports that Gulf and Mobile was selling blue when they weren't supposed to. And they got a little upset about it, you know, and I didn't understand it at the time. Definitely do now. Um, but, you know, I told him, I was like, if y'all take this away from me, don't come back to me in six more months and say, hey, we're ready for you to sell it. You know, we're, we're blowing through, you know, multiple kegs a week. The staff's behind it. The clientele loves it. Um, you know, it's, it's a fixture here. And uh, the owner and a couple of the higher ups from Sweetwater came in with some of the high ups from the wholesaler. And they, they looked around the restaurant. They shook my hand and they were like, give this guy whatever he wants. I was like, awesome. And then, you know, here it is now, you know, 10, 12 years later. And I actually get to sell the first craft beer that I really fell in love with. Um, so it's a, it's just a really cool kind of, you know, circle of events, um, that led me to where I'm at today. So, so what it is, what is your title exactly with Sweetwater? I am the market development manager for lower Alabama and the Florida Panhandle. So I cover every account from just East of Panama city, which is a little town called Port St. Joe, all the way up through Montgomery, Alabama. Um, so I don't, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. Like I don't physically sell anything because all of the sales have to go through the wholesaler. Um, any account uh, that wants to buy Sweetwater has to buy it from them. Um, but I'm technically on the sales team. So I'm, I'm going out um, and trying to help help their, their sales teams uh, sell more beer. But what I really do more than anything is like I'm the boots on the ground. So it's a lot of marketing. I do a lot of special events, tastings, beer festivals. And in this area, Man, you know, two different times a year, there's at least one almost every weekend, sometimes more than one. Um, I, you know, I do, I keep up with a lot of quality control stuff. That's a lot of my day to day stuff. You know, it's, a, you know, being a beer guy sounds a little glamorous, uh, but more times than not, you can find me at a Publix or a Winn Dixie digging through the cold box, making sure everything's rotated correctly in the right order, the dates are fresh, um, you know, and, and everything's being done the way we're supposed, it's supposed to be done. Um, you know, but I do get to do a lot of fun stuff too, you know, go out, buy folks beers, um, you know, do tap takeovers, uh, you know, take people up to the brewery, um, on incentive trips, get folks to go to 420 Fest where we take over Centennial Park in downtown Atlanta. Um, you know, so any and every, anywhere that does or can sell beer is potentially an account of mine. Um, I, I tend to stick towards my top 50 accounts in every market, um, but, you know, I mean, you're constantly looking for like, you know, are there new places that, you know, we should try to sell beer? And even sometimes, you know, ones that maybe have had tried Sweetwater before, um, you know, and has moved on. Because it's one of the things with this industry and, and breweries kind of helped create the what we call Rotation Nation. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've heard you guys talk about pies and pints quite a bit. We've got one of those in Montgomery. And, you know, they're, they they've, that's kind of part of their model is they won't keep anything on for too long. Uh, or, you know, as far as rebuying kegs, they're constantly circulating stuff in and out, which is great, um, especially from a consumer aspect and from a sampling aspect. Uh, but, you know, we're concerned with sales and I get bonused out on sales. Um, so, you know, getting places to have a little bit more consistency with, you know, my taps um, is a huge win. Um, you know, so I it can kind of count on some sales. Um, you know, and, we, and we, we played into that. You know, we were putting out so many different seasonals for so long. Um, you know, that, that now we've kind of dialed that back, trying to not, you know, push people to just constantly rotate their taps. Um, and if they, if that's what they want to do, you know, can we secure, 
like, you know, one or two that are, that stay Sweetwater. And then they just work, they rotate within our portfolio instead of leaving 420 on, you know, put some of the seasonals on or some of the specialty releases, um, or even, you know, some of the more, you know, the year rounds, you know, go from 420 to IPA to blue. Um, we've brought back Georgia Brown, uh, for about the next six weeks or so, which I'm super pumped about. That was, you know, one of the, one of the first Sweetwaters that I really, really enjoyed. Um, then we, we, we took it out as uh, brown ales, you know, started sitting on the shelf a little bit longer and IPA just was the driving force in craft beer. Um, you know, we, uh, we pulled it out of the regular rotation, uh, but I'm so pumped that it's back for a couple of weeks. Uh, Cause that is definitely one I get asked about quite a bit when I'm going in place. When you bring back Georgia Brown, when you bring back Georgia Brown, I'm like, Hey, it's back. Check it out. Go back. So, so let's take a little from the beer talk just for a minute, because yeah. I actually used to live in the Florida panhandle. Heck yeah. Um, and so just to clarify for our Northern listeners, uh, Win Dixie and Publix are grocery stores. Yes. Those are uh, what we uh, call, they- what we call large format grocery stores. Um, Win Dixie is owned by Southeastern grocers. Um, and it's a, it's a mainstay, you know, all over the South from, you know, anywhere I've been in Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, for sure. I know into Georgia um, and definitely in the Florida panhandles, you know, so at least as far as Panama City, maybe even into Tampa, um, you, you're going to find Winn-Dixie's everywhere. And then, you know, Publix is the is definitely the dominant grocery store down here. Um, I know up, up that way you'll get what? John Eagle, Thornton's. Uh, yeah, Kroger. Kroger. Kroger's a big one up there, too. Yeah, Kroger's the big dog. Uh, and then and then Giant Eagle, and that's that's pretty much it up here. Yeah. And then the super like the big box stores. Yep. Yep. The what we've got a lot of Walmart's down here too. Um, we get some Targets, um, and then there's a there's a relatively local um, rest, uh, restaurant uh, grocery store chain called Rouse's. It's based out of Louisiana, and they do a great job. I'm a big fan of them. Um, very similar to like a Publix or a Kroger. Um, but, but still has the, they, the thing I like so much about them, they still, they've kept that locally owned feel. Um, and I think they do a great job with that. Um, but we are starting to get some Kroger's. I think Kroger goes right now. It's as far as Birmingham. I don't, I don't personally service any Kroger's. Um, but you know, my, my older brother lives up in Huntsville. Um, and then, you know, the kind my counterpart in the state, um, is based in Birmingham. So if I go up there and work with her, we'll hit some, we'll hit some Kroger's. They do. Those are great stores, man. We sell a lot of beer through them. Big fan. So the other thing I want to discuss about about the South is um, I was actually just talking to some friends the other night. Uh, you you said you worked at a fish camp, um, and and those are not <clears throat> something that we get have up here a lot. But man, in the South, if you want good food, you want to go to a fish camp. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know that this one it's a um, it's locally owned. Um, the brothers that own it actually bought the Roost Chris Steakhouse here in Mobile. Um, and they're, they're the owners of the second largest stevedoring company in the world. It's called Cooper T. Smith. Um, so the Cooper brothers bought uh, Roost Chris first. And then they wanted, you know, owning, you know, a franchise of such a big chain like uh, Roost Chris, they're kind of limited on what they could do uh, menu-wise. Um, so they decided they wanted to do something, you know, a little bit more, you know, true to the South and what they grew up with. Um, and there was an awesome, uh, seafood restaurant. It's, it's on the causeway. So, um, there's a land bridge that connects, uh, Mobile County to Baldwin County that if you look at a map, that little part of Alabama, where there's that, that little jut up of water, 
Um, that's, you know, the top of Mobile Bay, and that's right where Felix's is. Um, and it's right there on the causeway. So, it's, I mean, it's just awesome. Sitting right on the water, right by the USS Alabama, um, overlooks the skyline of Mobile. So, it's, you get these beautiful, picturesque sunsets. So, they bought what was Pier 4 Restaurant um, as it was, you know, starting to decline. The owner was getting a little bit up there. The kids didn't want to take over the business. So, they went in um, and they, they resurfaced everything. Um, and it looks like you know, an old fish camp you're going to find up in the woods. I mean, they, they put rusted tin all over it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of um, like walls made out of doors and windows that don't exactly make sense anywhere else, but in that restaurant. Um, and, and Mr. Cooper is so big on, he doesn't want things to be like, they, he doesn't want them to look new and shiny. They better be clean, but he doesn't want them to look, you know, polished and shiny. They should, they should look aged and worn. Um, and it's just such a neat, it's one of those restaurants where you walk in and you just, you watch people just kind of look around. Um, but man, the food there is just top notch. You know, you can get anything from, you know, grilled seafood, lots of fried seafood because it is the South. Um, and, you know, the, the amount of food that that kitchen can pump out. Um, like I said, I mean, it goes on a weight, you know, on an average week on a Monday lunch by 1130, they're on a weight, you know, weekends. Uh, you know, you better make reservations. Uh, they, they, they try to leave some tables open for walk-ins. Uh, but you know, you kind of go in there expecting it's probably going to be an hour or so before we get a table. Uh, but the service there is, you know, very top notch. Uh, they, they do team service. So everybody at the table gets served at the same time. It was, it was really neat to, to sit there and watch, you know, cause Mobile is, um, you know, we don't have a whole lot that draws people here outside of like Mardi Gras on the senior bowl. Uh, but we're in between so many different places. You know, if you're going to New Orleans or if you're going, you know, into Florida, you know, to Destin or 30A, Panama City, you know, a lot of times you're going to stop in Mobile for the night or, you know, it's it's the right time to stop to eat. And so we'd, we'd see all these people from out of town and they would come back year after year. They would, you know, kind of route their vacation through Mobile so they could eat there again. And, uh, you know, sometimes it'd be, you know, they had a they had a great experience and they told their neighbor about it. And, you know, the neighbor's like, man, my friend's been telling me for five years, I've got to come check this place out. I'm like, well, how was it? And they're like, oh, better than expected. So, you know, if you're, if you're coming down this way, Felix's fish camp, the bluegill, definitely a great stop to eat. You know, just, I'm a, I'm such a huge fan of locally owned restaurants. Anyway, I think you get much better food and service there. Um, you know, nothing against, nothing against the chains that, it, you know, have hundreds of stores open. Clearly they're doing something right. If they can, you know, have that many locations open at one time. Uh, but personally, I think the experience is better. I think the food tends to be better and the locally owned ones. That's, that's what I look for, you know, a little bit more hole in the wall looking. That's, you know, my senses start to perk up and I'm like, Oh yeah, let's go eat. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's part of our cheap meal. Part of this podcast as well is, is those locally owned places. Yeah. But I went to a fish camp in Jacksonville, Florida. It was called Whitey's fish fish camp. Uh, just to give you a brief kind of in our audience of a brief little taste of what it was like. Um, it was also on the water. <clears throat> um, it was on one of the inlets from the, uh, the ocean and, uh, it overlooked, it was kind of swampy grass, kind of an inlet area. Yes. And, uh, we, we sat out on the, on the patio, it was screened in, uh, picnic tables we sat at, and then the appetizer, we got the stuffed mushroom caps. Well, in the north, you get a stuffed mushroom cap. That's that's breading, uh, maybe some some other parts of mushroom in there, maybe some seafood, something like that. Uh, these ones were stuffed with filet mignon. Oh wow! I thought uh, you were gonna go then, crab, but filet mignon. <laughs> oh man, 
That sounds it awesome. Was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. Yes. Where is it? Whitey's. Uh, Next time I go to Jacksonville, I'm definitely trying that out. Yeah, it's a, it's a great little fish camp in Jacksonville. Uh, my cousin was stationed there in the Navy. So I lived in Tallahassee. And oh, nice. we'd go over to see him all the time. Uh, so, yeah. Little little taste of the cheat meals aspect of what we got going on here. Uh, but one thing I, I don't want to miss out on is, uh, for our audience, uh, we are recording this on January 4th. Uh, it is it is Bacon's birthday. It is. It is my birthday. Uh, the big 4-0. Wow. I just hit the big 5-0 four days ago. Hey, happy uh, birthday, buddy. Hey, thanks. So yeah, we are, we're hitting milestones in the same year. Telling you. Uh, and I guess that'll continue as long as, as we keep on kicking. Hey, that's the plan, brother. So um, so the reason I brought Bacon on is uh, we, we've been doing this podcast, and Bacon, I met him in 2017 mm-hmm. uh, at, at a CrossFit regional event in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we became fast friends. A uh, whole group of us there kind of uh, got together and uh, really hit it off. Uh, but he started listening to our podcast right off the get-go, which I truly appreciate. And he oh, gave us – oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's it, it's it's just such a, such a great format, and, and it speaks to things that I love, craftier and good food. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he would give me feedback about different things we're talking about because he's been in the industry for so long. And I was like, man, we need to just make a, a segment called the Bacon Report. <laughs> so – so that's why I've got him on here. I wanted you guys to meet him. So what we're going to talk about today is, you know, you've been listening now. Well, this is episode, gosh, I think seven. Heck yeah. Seven. Um, you've been listening. Uh, you've given us some feedback. Anything else you've heard that you want to, like, touch base on? So I kind of went back and listened to some of the other episodes, um, especially the one, like, where, you, where y'all where you did the Bacon Report. Um, and the only one I really caught something, um, there was – um, we're talking about, you know, um, you know, some beers that, that y'all kind of look for at times and, and wonder, wonder why you can't find them as much anymore, even though people loved it. Um, and again, that's kind of, I was talking about a little bit earlier, like we, you know, we brought back Georgia Brown, uh, for about six weeks. Um, it's not something we're bringing back as a mainstay. You know, we, we took the, the road a couple years back with our seasonals, um, cause we'd had the same ones for five, six, seven years, you know, um, things like motorboat, road trip, stuff like that. Um, and they were still doing well, but they definitely weren't, you know, year after year, uh, we weren't seeing, you know, an increase on them. And then, you know, it even started to get to the point we weren't selling even as much of that seasonal as we used to. Um, so at first we made the decision we were going to run a seasonal for every two years. Um, and I know a lot of other breweries are doing this and now we've even gone away from doing four a year to three a year to get a true seasonal run out of it. So we're not constantly worrying, worrying about transitions and, you know, that last little bit that's, you know, sitting on the shelf either at the wholesaler or on the store shelves um, and get a little bit better turn. Um, and some of them, you know, some of them, unfortunately were, were great, great beers. Um, but, you know, if we've had them for so long, you know, does it necessarily make sense to keep doing it? Because, you know, with craft beer and there's so many new breweries opening up every day, um, you know, you know, should we just keep doing the same thing? Cause the drinkers are kind of always looking for something new. Um, very seldom is it, you know, they just keep going back to that one beer. Um, especially, you know, again, IPA, IPA is what drives this industry right now. Um, sours are definitely picking up. 
Um, but you know, nothing. So that is unfortunate, (laughs) man. I'll tell you, um, it's very similar to like, you know, when you first tried an IPA, most people didn't just immediately love it. They had to kind of find that one that, you know, got them in the door and then their palate started adjusting to it. And, you know, then more and more you start to want them. Sours to me are very similar. Um, you know, there's definitely some that, you know, even in the industry that I tried, I'm like, "Mm, I mean, it's good, but it's not for me. Um, but you know, now, you know, having had a few more, um, and, and being, you know, especially on this side, on the supplier side where we're, we're putting out, you know, sours, we tend to do at least one a year major release. Um, but we've got, you know, we've got a full souring facility or I should say barrel aging facility in the woodland. So, um, you know, we bought the property at the other end of the brewery, you know, put in, um, six big footers and then just about every kind of barrel you can imagine. And, And there are some beers that I know you would love because we do several, um, you know, uh, whiskey barrel age, you know, stouts and porters and whatnot. Um, but a lot of the beer that comes out of there is a different kind of sour. Um, and so, you know, I highly, highly recommend, you know, don't just snub your nose up at them, you know, try one every once in a while because you will find some, um, that you like, and it kind of opens up that door uh, a little bit more and it, Hey, and it may not be your thing, um, overall, but I promise there's, there's one or two of them out there that you'll be like, Ooh, this one's pretty good. Um, because I mean, so, you know, there, there, there are some that I'm all on fire for. And then there's a few I've tried. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever drink that one again. So we, uh, we actually had a little, uh, bacon busted my chops. A little bit after <laughs> our last episode. All in fun, buddy. Um, all because, in fun. <laughs> because, uh, uh, one of my lowest ranked <laughs> beers is one of Sweetwater's, uh, and that is uh, peach love and happiness. Um, I was not a fan of that. Uh, and he definitely gave, busted my chops pretty hard the next day. Uh, but, but that's what's awesome about the podcast is the immediate feedback uh, that you can get on something like that. And I do, just so you know, I do try sours periodically. Yeah. Uh, it's just never hit me in a way where I'm like, wow, that's something I love. Um, and so, Fair enough. so I keep trying them. Uh, we'll see what goes on there. Uh, but I really am a fan of that barrel aged stuff and the, the stouts and porters. So I'm uh, anxious to see what yeah. comes out of the other side of that, that facility. Yeah. Unfortunately we've already released. So you may want to, I'd have to look at a sales report for, um, you know, you're part of Ohio. Um, but you know, we've already released the, the big stout, uh, for the year that one came out in November. It's called center sun. It's a bourbon barrel aged, um, stout Imperial stout with coffee. And it is fantastic. Um, and that, it, you know, this time, elements. you know, when it comes out next year, if I can get my hands on a bottle, I'll shoot you one. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll ship it in the mail as olive oil or, or and vintage <laughs> glass or something. Uh, figure out a way, figure out a way to get around that. Uh, but it is so good, man. That is, that is one of my favorite beers we produce, you know, period, end of story. It is, you know, not something you're going to drink a bunch of, uh, cause I think it comes in like 13%, uh, but it doesn't drink like a 13% or, you know, some of those really heavy, you know, high gravity alcohol beers. Um, it, it's almost like you're chasing a, a decent beer with a warm shot of vodka. Um, this one blends really, really well. The brewers hit it on the head. Um, like it, it, it drinks like a good beer and then, you know, it just makes you feel good. So, so my normal crew, uh, there's two of us that really like that high gravity um, barrel age stuff. Um, yeah. I have one guy that's, that's into the stouts and porters, but doesn't necessarily like it barrel aged. Uh, then I have a, a big time IPA guy, 
And then we just brought on the 20 something uh, that he drinks. He likes the hazy IPAs uh, mm-hmm. and he does like some sours. So we're trying to mix it up uh, when we yeah. do it. And, and we always say like, everybody has a different palate. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like something. Doesn't mean you're not going to like it. Um, we just give you our opinion, but we have, we have a differing, we all have differing opinions. Uh, and hopefully with, the collective five, you get a good idea whether it's something you would like or not. And that's what I think's so great about craft beer. Um, you know, is there's, there's always a beer out there for everybody at just about every brewery. Um, you know, I know, you know, we make several different varieties for that reason. Um, you know, we, and we've expanded our portfolio to try and hit all those different palettes. Uh, but every time I go somewhere, you know, my favorite thing to do in a new town, you know, find a local, what brewery do I want to go hit? You know, it used to be a bar to try and do it, but now like, I know, you know, I know I'm after the good craft beer of that area. Um, you know, and you're, you're going to find something you like. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the flights, uh, at a, at a brewery. So I can try a little bit of everything and find that one that I might want a pint of. And, you know, and, and even with myself, you know, I, I like IPAs. I like porters and stouts. I do like some sours, uh, but it really depends on the day. Like kind of what am I feeling? Um, you know, and then where I live down here, uh, the humidity capital of the country, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it kind of depends on what the weather's like, you know, if, if, you know, even today, you know, when I was at the gym, shorts and a t-shirt was fine. Um, you know, a week ago we were in hoodies, uh, it's supposed to cool off some tonight and tomorrow. Um, uh, but you know, our weather goes back and forth. Uh, so, so you know, you so don't necessarily always blessings want to... because tonight we're supposed to get snow in Ohio. So. Yeah, our yeah. temperature's been dropping throughout the day, and uh, snow is on the way. You know, snow for a day wouldn't be bad. I just don't want to deal with all the other stuff around it. Uh, you know, the ice that comes with it and whatnot. Uh, but it's it's the back and forth part for us that's that frustrates me because you can't. You know, the n- legit truth. You know, some days when I leave the house, I have to have a jacket with me. I have to be in a t-shirt or something very comfortable that breathes because it's going to warm up during the day. And then in the afternoon, it's going to start to cool back off. So you're putting the layers back on. Um, and, you know, as you walk, you know, walk in and out of places, the heater's on, the you know, the air conditioner's on. And so you're shedding and, and layering constantly. And, it, you know, it's like, man, can it just be a little consistent for, you know, a month? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember those days, um, Tallahassee, the armpit of, of Florida, uh, because that's, yes. it's hot and sticky, just like your armpit, and that's where it resides. Yep. Uh, but yeah, very very similar to here, yeah. no doubt. So uh, before I let you go, I I wanted to see do you, do you know any misconceptions that people have with the with the uh, craft brewing industry, and anything you want to clear up? Just general misconceptions. Ooh. Um. Give me give me an example um, of what you're of what you're thinking about. So um, I think right now everybody believes that all craft beers are getting bought out by by big beer. <laughs> you know, and I, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, yes, that's happening uh, to some degree, but not like universally. No, and there's a lot there's a lot of us. Um, I say us. You know, I don't. I work for the brewery. I'm not an owner. Um, you know, a lot a lot of craft brewers are, are you know very much against it and proud of the fact that they're an independent brewer. It's why you're seeing that, you know, independent brewer um, logo show up, um, you know, and so now, I mean, it, it's definitely not everyone is being bought. Um, 
you know, uh, you know, Freddie, our owner, is super proud of the fact that he and his family are still the principal owners. I mean, he's got a few investors, but I mean, it's it's him and his family that own Sweetwater. Uh, you know, we're proud of the fact that we're an independent brewer. Um, you know, I, I know Dogfish Head sold to Sam Adams. Don't blame uh, Sam for that at all. I mean, he that, he parlayed that into a huge deal for himself and basically puts him himself in line to take over for Jim Cook. Uh, and if you're going to get bought out, I mean, why not get bought out by one of the godfathers of craft beer? Yeah. You know, um, uh, and at the same time, you know, even some of the ones that are bought out by some of the big boys, man, if somebody puts a check with that many zeros in front of you, you know, that's life changing for your grandkids or your grandkids, grandkids, um, man, that, that'd be a hard thing to say no to. Um, you know, uh, but no, I don't think everything's in jeopardy of being bought out. Um, you know, but that is, you know, to a point though, it, it is what some of those big boys are doing because they, they're realizing, you know, what craft beer, um, means like it, you know, it's here to stay. Um, you know, for, for a while people were talking about the bubble was going to burst. There weren't good, you know, craft wasn't going to stick around. Um, but it looks like, you know, there are definitely some that are here to stay. And so that's what some of these big boys are doing instead of doing the, the R and D themselves and going after it, because, you know, some of the, the ones that they've tried to do on their own, just haven't quite taken off, um, the right way, like, like some of us. And so instead of, you know, just doing it on their own, they're just buying somebody else's stuff. Um, you know, I did, I did the Cicerone class when I was still working for the wholesaler at Sam Adams, which is awesome. If, if you ever get the chance to go to Boston, go to that brewing facility. It, it is amazing. Um, but one of the things they talked about in there, um, you know, was, was, you know, Jim, Jim has been buying small, small breweries for years, um, because he wants to get, um, his hands on some of those, like, you know, a brewery that may not be, you know, it could be very, you know, very localized, um, but they've got one or two really, really good beers and he'll buy it just to get the recipe to make sure that, you know, Bud or Miller, um, or whoever can't buy it. He's like, they're going to, they're going to screw it up. I'll buy it to make sure, you know, even if he's not going to do anything with it, he goes, I don't want him to mess it up. Um, and that, that's, that's one of the big things too, is, you know, uh, you know, so many of these, so many of these, um, you know, when they are bought out, you know, I think y'all talked about this for a minute, um, on one of the podcasts too, you know, when, when a big boy does buy out another, a smaller brewer or a craft brewer, um, you can see the recipe change a little bit. Um, it's because that, you know, instead of making it on those smaller tanks in that facility, they're now mass producing it on the big ones. And just like, you know, you know, any great spaghetti sauce recipe or chili or where I'm from gumbo, um, you know, just making more doesn't mean double the ingredients. You know, you've got to, you've got to figure out that, that fine balance. Um, and it's the, you know, it's the same way, you know, with this, you know, with, with craft beer, you, you know, just because you move to a bigger tank, you've got the recipe. It doesn't necessarily always work out the same way. I remember, you know, the last restaurant job I had before I came to work for Sweetwater, I knew when they changed the tanks because the, 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 the beer wasn't exactly the same. Um, and then, you know, came to work for Sweetwater and I was like, Oh, this was in that year. And they were like, how'd you know? I was like, cause we had issues with consistency. The only time I'd ever had it, issues with consistency with Sweetwater, um, you know, it was when they, they went to much bigger tanks, the brewers had to kind of figure out the right balance of hops and, you know, malts and everything, um, uh, to that, to that, you know, to up the recipe. So let me ask you that. Um, we had a, so Kit and I, I think it was episode four. Uh, we actually had a big discussion about 
Um, there, there's a book out there that actually claims that when the craft brewer is bought out by uh, big beer, that they can they can be more consistent uh, than the local craft brewer. And um, we actually had a little bit of an argument. It was we went back and forth for probably 10, 15 minutes. Um, we actually interviewed a local brewer here, a craft brewer, that they two of their beers on their menu came because they made a mistake. Right. Yep. And so you lose that um, when you're when you're overly consistent because you don't have those mistakes that turn out to be great beers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you listened to that episode or not. Um, but it was a really good discussion. Yep. Um, and, and I, and I think kid is all, it believes the same thing I do. He was just being the devil's advocate, uh, to say what this book kept saying that, that it's a good thing that the, that big beer is buying up all this stuff because they can make your beer more consistent. It'll taste the same every time. Um, so your thought, your general thoughts, uh, yeah, I mean, there is, there's definitely some truth to that because, you know, um, hops are a, you know, they're, they're a farm grown ingredient. Um, they're a commodity. There's only so much to go around every year. Um, they only grow within certain latitudes. Um, you know, and just like anything else, you know, if there's a, if there's a bad year, it can definitely affect some of the really small breweries. Um, because you know, the big guys are going to get their stuff first, the bigger craft, the bigger craft brewers are going to get theirs, you know, after the, the big, big boys, um, there, you know, there's a lot of farmers that have contracts with certain brewers, you know, to make sure that, you know, they get, you know, whatever type of hop. So if it's, you know, something that, you know, the, the recipe calls for a specific type of hops to get the right flavor and, you know, hops affect so much, um, you know, and each one is very, very different. Um, you know, so there is some truth to, it could be more consistent. Um, but, but I don't necessarily know if, you know, can be more consistent is always a good thing. Cause like you said, some of the, the best things ever are just, you know, beautiful accidents that, you know, work out for the best. Um, and, and kind of equating it back to the food side, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of rest and I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm bad mouthing anybody, so I won't name any names, but you know, um, when I worked for that locally owned company, um, our VP that hired me, you know, used to call those big chains, um, consistently mediocre, you know, yeah, you know what to expect walking in the door. That's probably why there's one of those in every town in America, but you know, is it going to blow you away? And I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, you know, once, once it's too consistent, um, you know, and they, and they tweak it, you know, is it still, is it still going to have that magic to it? Um, where, you know, cause they're just, there's not the passion in, in brewing it when it's a craft brewer. Um, you know, I mean, I know, you know, to me, our best beer we make when it's fresh is 420. There's nothing better on the, in the portfolio than a, than a really fresh 420. Um, but, you know, if, if so, you know, if something happens down the road and we sell to one of these big boys, is are, are those brewers, you know, that are just dumping in, you know, you know, garbage pan, garbage pail full ingredients, are they going to have that passion to make sure that it's always that it always tastes the same? It's like, nope, this is the recipe. This is what we do. Um, so, you know, I mean, I like to debate on it, but you know, I would lean more towards. I think it's better. Um, you know, I I, I like the diversity. You know, I, I would hate for, you know, 
four or five companies to own every popular brewery in the country. Cause you know, I just, I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. I like, I like the passion. I like the experimentation. You know, I like, I like when the brewers play, you know, the, again, my favorite thing to do when I, when I go travel, go to a brewery and it's not necessarily, you know, I like to try the flagship cause that's the one they're proud of, but I love when it's something, Oh yeah, this is something we're playing with. Like, Oh, cool. Let, let me try that. Um, you know, cause a lot of times they want your feedback on it. Um, and, you, and you'll find something that could just blow you away. Um, and that's, that's what I look for with food and especially with beer. Um, you know, I like that excitement, um, when it's something new and fun and different. Well, I just, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Um, and to let people know, uh, we are looking at doing a sweet water episode. Uh, we're working with bacon to, to make that happen and technology. I just need like one more cord. Uh, and I think we can make it all work um, because I want the whole crew here to kind of ask questions um, as we're doing that podcast. So we are looking at doing that in the very near future, uh, working with Bacon to do that. Uh, and I'd also like to have him. He's get, I'm going to have him back on doing Bacon reports periodically. Hopefully we'll have him on with the full crew. Um, and so he can just uh, interject where where we need that that deep knowledge that he has that we don't. Um, and so. With that, uh, I'm going to bid adieu. Uh, happy birthday, Bacon. Happy Big Four O. Hey, I appreciate it, buddy. Man, thank you so much uh, for doing this. This is, this is awesome. And uh, we will see you next time uh, on episode eight of the Clydesdale. Uh, it's Craft Beers and Cheap Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks a lot. See you then. <laughs>